All right, I begin reading here in uh, Psalm 51. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors, transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness O God, the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. <coughs> For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then young bulls will be offered on your altar. So we had, um, Joey had started uh, referring to uh, the sin of David uh, this morning. And we had, uh, you know, looked at his, uh, basically, um, his indictment from God um, to convict him uh, of the sin with Bathsheba. And so in Second Samuel, there's, it's pretty short. Uh, you see... You know, the prophet saying, you are the man, and just that, you know, just hitting uh, the king hard with the word of God, and this reality sets in. But then David's repentance is, you know, just a few words. And so we, we just, there's not, there's a whole lot more to it than that. And um, this psalm is probably um, what's going on or what went on during the meantime and 
and this repentance uh, of David and this um, just this horrible brokenness of his sin was not resolved instantly. And we, we see him pleading here and he, he starts off with saying, you know, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Uh, we've studied the word for loving kindness, the hesed, that uh, I thought, you know, out of all the words like this that we've Anglicanized and tried to use, that would have been a good one to use, you know, uh, to put together and to uh, put on signs and even write it in Hebrew so nobody would have a clue what it was. And, uh, you know, put it on a bracelet or something, you know. But um, he, now this is interesting, and we know from our study of homardiology, and uh, Joey is um, very good at convincing us what it takes for a man to pray this way. And it takes the Spirit of God. You can't pray this way without the Spirit of God working in your life. Kings don't pray this way. Men don't pray this way because ultimately we want to be king. And so when you get so engulfed with this type of sin, then, you know, you're hopeless. You, you are too far gone without the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, you, you don't plead for mercy without the Holy Spirit uh, coming to us. And so in looking at this and, you know, reading over this and keep reading it, it's like it has really changed my perspective of how I normally would have read about this uh, in that, you know, this is a, <coughs> this is a huge display of God's grace. Because God's grace is, when it is given to us, that's the first thing we do, is fall on our face before Him in repentance. God's grace is what changes us. When, when God forgives us, we are never the same. It's not just a passing act. It's not forgetting, um, contrary to what most people think um, or want to believe, True forgiveness is when you are put in this type of position before your, with your sin before God. And he's begging. Uh, he, he is a beggar, as we all are in our sin. And he says, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. He, is, he has nothing to offer to God there's, he, he comes with nothing. He knows, as we had talked about earlier today, that he knows the penalty of his sin. Everybody knows that. You don't need the law to know that it's wrong. And so he's, he's falling on his face before God, and he says uh, he wants him to wash him. And notice that he is, he is begging God to do everything. He can't do anything. He doesn't say, help me clean up. He doesn't say, give me something to do. He, he falls before God and says, here I am, and this is what I want you to do. And he says, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. <coughs> we know that, that God 
forgives us of our sins and forgets our sins. You know, well, that's, the, that's our, one of our favorite verses. We know that He casts them as far as the east is from the west. But we don't forget them. And I think it's a good thing that we don't um, because grace remains amazing because of that. And so there's our sins we never forget. We often always want to uh, come back and continue to repent of them, which is also good uh, to keep us from committing them again. But he is um, haunted by his sin, and, you know, rightly so. I mean, we know, we know what he did, and he is, he is guilty uh, before God. And he, he states that next. He says, against you, you only, I have sinned. And this is, um, this is where the Spirit of God is showing him uh, the proper way of repenting is that God is the victim of our sin. First and foremost, sin affects everybody. We know that. But God is the one that we have offended, and we must first go to Him in repentance, and it's just us and Him. That's it. And He, he confesses that He has done evil uh, in God's sight, so that you are just when you speak and blameless when you judge. <coughs> he is um, he's fixing to state um, his, his true uh, sinfulness and how far uh, the sin goes. Let me show you. Uh, this is a, a good quote here uh, in reading uh, Plumer's. This is, he's talking about his transgressions. He says, um, plural sins, trespasses, discontent, ingratitude, covetousness, hardness of heart, selfishness, pride, worldliness, unbelief, adultery, and murder were all chargeable to David in the matter of Uriah. So, this sin is always, typically, uh, never is by itself, uh, especially sins of this uh, magnitude. Uh, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of extra ones uh, to, to come to this point. And that is what uh, David has become. This is, all of those sins were committed either before or during uh, these, these sinful acts that he's repenting from. So this is why you'll see here in a minute he, he's, he refers to his sins as being plural because he knows uh, that he is, he, is, he is multiple sins against him that uh, he cannot uh, resolve. And here um, Luther points out, says, uh, this is when he is you know, confessing his sins and he says the little word, uh, for must be so understood as not to imply that the sins must be forgiven him because he has confessed them. For sin is always sin and deserving of punishment, whether it is confessed or not. Still confession of sin 
is of importance on the account that God will be gracious to no one but to those who confess their sin, while to those who do not confess their sin, He will show no favor. So right now, He is confessing the sin, but He's showing and He's confessing also to God that no matter what you do to me, you're just in doing so. Just because... I am torn apart just because I am broken to my sin. You know, I deserve whatever you justly bring upon me. And that is something else that we don't admit that without the Spirit of God coming upon us. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in, in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now we have uh, really, uh, this would be in some cases, uh, in some of our studies on Wednesday night, this could be the the memory verse of the week (laughs) Uh, because uh, Joey has shown us that the Hebrew looked at us being sinners and that's who we were. We didn't have this sinful side of us. We We are sinners. There is no separation. And he shows that, and he's confessing that. And uh, Horn, uh, also, he says, A creature begotten by a sinner and formed in the womb of a sinner cannot be without that taint, which is hereditary, to deliver to every son and daughter of Adam and Eve. And so this is going back uh, to the original sin, uh, the original guilt that Adam has placed upon us. And this is interesting how David is confessing this, but this is not an excuse. He's just stating uh, this, is how, this is where he came from. This is who he is. And so this, is, this shows the depths of his depravity and his desperation that because before he was even created, as he was being created by God, he was still a sinner before he was even born. He says, Behold, you desire truth in me. You desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. So now, it's interesting. We've got the desperation as part of his repentance. But now we see David being hopeful. Because he's saying in the future... You will cause me to know wisdom. And so he's, he knows that God is faithful. He knows that God is merciful. And so he knows uh, that God is going to make him know wisdom. <coughs> now we're getting into his purification. He says, purify me with, me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities. So the the purification here with hyssop uh, is referred to in two places. Uh, The hyssop is used um, to, to as a purification process and more than likely, 
he is considering himself to be like a leper that has been healed. And so the hyssop would be used to, to restore a healed leper back into uh, the church. And this is what he's wanting him to do is to purify him. And so we've got forgiveness, but now David is transitioning into he wants to be able to serve God. And so this is, this is what David knows. This is, this is David's language for, for purification and we're getting into sanctification because he wants to continue to serve God. And so now he's, he's asking him uh, to wash him, to declare him clean, to remove the guilt to where that he can still be uh, God's servant even though he's not uh, deserving. Uh, he knows that. But he is going uh, after God for this and, and begging God uh, to restore him. And he wants to have the, re the rejoice. He wants to be able to rejoice because he's in agony. Uh, even though D David's bones are uh, not literally broken, but he is feeling the weight and the pain of his sin. And so he wants God to uh, rejoice that and to blot out, rejoice in that with him and to blot out all the iniquities. He wants to, uh, he wants to get rid of all of his sin. Then he starts here with creating me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So now. David has gotten forgiveness. But that's not good enough. Because. He knows. Because of his. Iniquity that he's had. From the moment of his conception. That the only way for God to really change him is to create a new heart. Because it's not just the ceremonial, ceremonially washing him away, the purification that was, that was right under the law. But David wants this new heart. And it's interesting because if you look at it, if we see, we know he's not praying this on his own. He's praying this with the, with the Holy Spirit on him. And so he's, he's begging God to create in him a clean heart. And God's already doing it. Because as I said earlier, previously his heart was not capable of praying this. So we're seeing this, uh, him praying in the Spirit, asking for the new heart and this, of course, is where the world um, loses out. The self-help books have stopped here. They're too superficial. They cannot really make us any different. They can try hard, and there's some superficial benefits to it. But only God can create a, a new heart that's clean and renewed and able uh, 
to be obedient uh, to God. Here, uh, Plumer says, if, any, if there's any greater exercise of power than that which brought all things out of nothing, it is that which brings a clean thing out of an unclean or makes a saint out of a sinner. So he's, he's referring, he's going back to if anything is going to compare to creation as glorious and as magnificent as that was, but if anything can compare to that or maybe even surpass that, it's when God takes a sinner, purifies him, gives him a new heart, and removes his guilt so that he can be like Christ. He doesn't want to be cast away from his presence. This is where we're getting into the sanctification. This is where we often want to... Uh, we don't talk about this much. If you, if you want to think about of a, of a long-lost uh, doctrine of the church, it probably is the doctrine of sanctification. Everybody wants forgiveness. I mean, even the world wants forgiveness. But what about getting a new heart, which is going to change the way you think, which is going to change the way you act, and then which is going to qualify you to serve God? That by itself can be terrifying. That's where the world... Uh, can't understand what's going on. This is part of the, that is spiritually discerned and only the Holy Spirit uh, can convict us and to, cause us to do this and to be obedient. And Because he, he wants to be in God's presence. And uh, in sin, of course, we know that drives us away from God's presence. And so now David never wants to be away from God again. God has just forecasted him out. But he's begging God to leave him there. And he says, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So this is a long time before Pentecost. But David knew what it was going to take to maintain and have a relationship with God. And he says, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Sounds pretty good. They should have put that in the New Testament. Um, because David now is so amazed by God's grace that he's willing to proclaim the gospel, which ultimately is the same even in his time. So that other people, so that sinners could be converted to him. Because, hey, if, you can, if God can save David, he can save anyone. And that should be our own attitude as well. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing your righteousness, O Lord. Open 
my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. God, David is wanting to be able to praise God again, to worship God, because nothing can silence us quicker than being confronted by God and His Word with our own sin. But now, after receiving forgiveness, then we do, we will want to worship Him and joyfully sing our praises to Him. It's why He's begging Him to open His lips so that He may uh, declare your praise. He is unashamedly going to praise God so that Primarily so that God will hear. He doesn't care about anyone else. This is not so much as, as displaying, but this is just private worship. He just wants to be able to worship God again. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. So this is where David's problem with his sin is, is there is no sacrifice for what David did. Neither one of his main sins, he couldn't atone for them. There was nothing, there was no provision under the law. And so, he is, he's saying, you know, you, you, you won't delight in a sacrifice. There is no sacrifice that can pay for what I've done. But he says, the sacrifice of God are the broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not desire. You will not despise. Because even under the sacrificial system, and even under the sacrifice on the cross, if we are not truly broken over our sin, then the sacrifice didn't do any good. That's what repentance is, repentance is for. That's what repentance is. If, if we're just going through the motions and we just say a little prayer, get up and continue to live in sin the way we've always lived, then we're no different than the Hebrew going through all the sacrifices and bringing the animals, watching the priests slaughter them, and then going, going back home and thinking, all right, we got that taken care of. And go back home and continue living in our sin. But a true broken spirit and the contrite heart, then this is where forgiveness actually occurs and a change will actually happen. And he, he goes now and is referring to worship as a whole or the church. He says, by your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. And this is an interesting picture because he's asking God, to restore worship for Israel and to, to build it up and with a right 
standing with God with a, with a, with a heart of repentance and faith, then they will be sacrificing according to what God had prescribed and doing it with a right heart. And here's the interesting part. The, the young bulls, that is the, the most expensive sacrifice that could have been offered, offered back then. So he's saying that because of their worship and because of them being blessed by God, then their sacrifices will be true sacrifices and without, uh, they won't be trying to cheat God with animals that are, have defects. Of course, we know that was uh, a big problem and God said they had to be uh, spotless and there was qualifications of the health of the animal and I think this is what this is referring to is the, the young bulls that his people would be offering up the best that they had as a sacrifice to God. And so, this uh, going through this psalm, and it's interesting. Out of all of the sinner prayer, sinners' prayers that, unfortunately, I have led people to pray. Why did we not do this? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna do a sinner's prayer, why not this one? Um, I mean, this is a, this is a great uh, instruction on how to repent and if someone was uh you know to the point of you know reaching out to God in brokenness and with a contrite heart uh you know this this would like I said we know we're not big on sinners prayers but this is a pretty good one and uh I don't know why uh back when we <laughs> Back when we were doing that, I don't know why we didn't just open this up and, and at least go over it with them as a, as a way of truly repenting uh, and being uh, fully uh, restored uh, for God. Let's pray.